Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Mary Poppins Returns, directed by Rob Marshall and released in 2018. The plot of Mary Poppins Returns goes something like this. Decades after her original visit, Mary Poppins returns to help the Banks children once more. And as we usually do, we'll do a little bit of a spoiler-free section up front before warning you about spoilers. Yeah. So uh, usually we just tell people if they should see it. I yeah. S- assume... I assume you're all seeing it. <laughs> well, with something like this, you're either going to see it or you're not really, aren't mm. you? But I really enjoyed it. I think this may be one of those ones where we disagree because I had a great time watching this. Mm. And I also think it'd be really good for you to take your kids because I, as I – sort of discovered as I was talking about it a little while ago I've never gotten to see a movie like this as an adult and it was really exciting for me because I didn't know what the next song was going to be and so I was really excited to see what the next song was going to be and how they were going to do it and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and it was really fun and really magical for me yeah um, as an adult I think it would be really fun and magical for a child if they're into this sort of thing I did go at one point and see a child who literally was on their parents phone the whole time for the first sort of hour that the movie was running, which made me very upset. But I just had a great time. Yeah. So I I think this is very much like the original, which I think is a, is a good thing. But I also, I personally find the original quite long and hard to get through. And I've been watching it since I was a kid. And when you're a kid, you kind of go in and out of the movie. And a couple of weeks before I watched this at the cinema, I watched the original in one hit and we didn't make it in one hit we had to stop at various points because we got bored so it's really i think they're both really well made movies but i also think they're quite a lot to get through mm. i think where this movie kind of it, it isn't very original it does follow the beats of the first one even if the story is somewhat different and you know a lot of the same musical cues and stuff it's definitely trying to evoke the original with all the mm. different scenes right and i think if you're trying to directly compare it to the original it's probably not going to be as great yeah I, but I, yeah i, I, I mean, actually think they're both excellent films i i the original's got the nostalgia factor for us mm. but i don't like that's just because of the a factor of like the original came out when our parents were kids yeah so like for us there is a nostalgia factor and i don't that's just a, a matter of when you're born and what you watch as a kid so i don't i think that's that's the the difference but I, do, I don't. It's, it's really hard. I don't want to be mean to this movie because I really like. I really think they're both very well done movies, like this one and and the original. Are so well done, and everyone's energy is so wonderful, mm. and everyone really tries to make it such a magical Disney experience for the kids. And I can't, I can't be too harsh on it because there is a lot of fun in it. And also, I've noticed some things have grown on me since I saw it. So when I came out of it, I was like, "Oh, these songs aren't very memorable." But like two days later, I was humming one. Mm. And that's the thing I think is a lot of people are going. I mean, I went to see it with my mum and my sister. My sister said the same thing when we came out. She was like, "Oh, I don't think these songs are as you know catchy and memorable." And I was like, "Okay, but for the kids that are listening to them as kids now." These are the ones they're going to remember. And so that is going to have a very yeah. different effect on them to us. I don't know if you can really compare that. Well, our journey's been When quite... you've only just heard yeah. them for the first time. And this is what's happened. So, right, the next day I watched, there's a, a, a YouTube video, a making of video about um, the bathtub scene. And so in watching that, I heard the songs again. Mm. And then I've started humming them. And then now I get into the car with my husband the other day and he's downloaded the songs and they're on his car playlist. Yeah, I actually really enjoy a lot of the songs. I think that the criticisms of the songs are unfair. Um, Mm. Most of them are actually very good and very fun. I do have some criticisms of the movie. I think I can get to them later. 
which don't really affect my overall enjoyment of the movie that much. They're just things that I think that mm. aren't as strong about it. But I just, yeah, I, I want to see it again. I want to go see it again, but like just by myself one day mm. for fun because I really enjoyed it. And I want to see it again having uh, not having that uh that first kind of glow of what's the next song going to be mm. so that I can see you know how it is in a different setting I have actually seen the first sort of hour of it again but um yeah I want to I want to yeah. watch the whole thing again but yeah I just really really liked this a lot yeah Darling Manuel Miranda in it he's such a ball of sunshine mm. like I just he just makes me smile all the time so yeah and and this is the thing like I there are bits I didn't like there are bits that you know that that I didn't have a great experience, but it's made with so much energy and effort and love mm. that it's it's I can't mark it down too much. But I think yeah, we might get into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns and you don't want to be spoiled, stop the podcast now and come back when you have. Yeah. Um. So my I have two I think biggest problems with the movie, and neither of them is actually to do with the fact that the musical cues are similar to the first one because that doesn't bother me much. Um. It is a sequel to a musical. That's sort of what you expect. I think they made everybody too nice. <laughs> yeah. And that's a problem. Like, it just, even the kids, like, big problems aren't with their behavior or any. Like, it, it's that they're too grown up and well behaved because their mum died, uh-huh. which is like, oh, okay. Ben Wishaw doesn't really have a big arc to go on because he's already a good dad. He's just a good dad that doesn't realize that his kids have grown up too fast. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just not, everybody is much too, like, nice the Mm. original george banks is a bad dad Mm. he is a like he is a negligent father he's never around he doesn't really know his kids he doesn't have any fun with them and you know it's also implied that the mum is like way too wrapped up in her own stuff yeah exactly and then the kids are naughty they're always running off from nannies and going and doing things and driving nannies crazy Mm. you know so like they all have to kind of learn lessons during the movie. Yeah. Some of them are better than others, but at least they have a journey to go on. Whereas mm. this one, I didn't feel like they had as much of a journey to go on because everybody's so nice already. The journey is something bad is happening to this good family. So what can we do to fix it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, which I don't, I, it just frustrates me. I'm more interested in seeing them, like seeing Mary Poppins help them grow. So the, and then the other thing is with the ending, the deus ex umbrella ending that drove me crazy mm-hmm. where like they have a whole scene where poor old jack is like stacking up ladders to climb up big ben to try mm-hmm. and fix the problem and then mary just flies in an, on an umbrella and fixes it and flies back out and you're like what was that for then and then at the very end of it they've done all this stuff they've gotten the certificate and then it's like eh, we don't care about that anyway because your tuppence which was invested in the bank in the first movie which was supposed to be a bad thing in the first movie, yeah. has now returned a huge profit, apparently, enough to keep your house. Which is, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it completely undermines the message of the first movie, yeah. which is also crazy. Mm. So that was a problem for me more than anything else in this movie. So I actually think I got annoyed because Mary lied to the children, which she didn't do in the first one. So in the first one, the, she, the, she said, the kids say to her, please never leave us, Mary Poppins. And she says, that's a pie crust promise, easily made and easily broken. And in this one, the kids say, please never leave. You'll never leave us, will you, Mary Poppins? And she says, don't be absurd. But like, that's lying, right? In a way, whereas the first Mary Poppins has said, I can't make that promise. The second one's gone like, don't be absurd. Like, I mean, it's not. It's, no, she's, uh, yeah. The implication I, is don't be absurd. Of course, I'm going to leave. 
She And she tells them she's going to leave when the door opens. She tells them she's leaving. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she says, I'll stay until the door opens. Yes, but like the way she said it was a lot more like she was a lot clearer with the first yes. lot of Banks children that I will leave you. That's not a promise I'm going to make. I, I didn't like the way she did that. They did oh. that with her either. I, I just, she tells them she's leaving, so I don't really understand mm. the but, but they her. clearly don't realize it because they're like, please, you're, you're not going to leave, are you? And the way she says it, like, she clearly knows that she means don't yeah. be absurd. But okay. it's not very clear, especially not to they're like eight-year-olds. Like, they're pretty little kids. They're not going to read that, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, no, probably not. But I didn't really notice that as a problem because mm. he just, she yeah. tells them. Yeah. I mean, she does tell them she's going to leave. She tells them when she's going to leave. Like, even though they don't understand when that's going to be, it's a pretty clear message that she is going to go when... Yeah, and she doesn't stay forever. But yeah, I I still think, yeah, it's not quite as clear. But I think, though, I'm just trying to work out what to move on to next because there are other things I I wasn't a fan of, but I also... Well, with this one, I think it's probably a good idea to just go through the movie, like, chronologically, go through each of the songs and the scenes that surround them and figure out how maybe that can help you figure out how you feel with it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that's actually good, no, because we can start. Because that way we'll get into all the songs and stuff, you know. Yeah, which means I I can start talking about how Ben Wishaw is not much of a singer. He isn't, but there's a scene in the movie. When did I write it? I wrote Ben Wishaw with with exclamation marks at some point, and it's an acting scene. Oh, it's, Mm. oh, when they come home from the bank after they've had their little tripping the light fantastic journey and Mm -hmm. they come home from the bank and he just kind of like he just kind of explodes and then deflates Mm. and then collapses into the chair and then the kids sing him the song and and then he's like you guys are so wise it's so well like all of the his reactions in that scene are so well done and so beautiful so like yeah they obviously can't say he's not a good actor i think he's a fantastic actor i really like that scene too and even though it's a bit like i don't know cliched or whatever i really like that song about where the lost things are yeah it's cute i like that song it made me tear up on both occasions and it clearly makes him tear up when Mm. his kids sing it to him yeah i like that i also liked that that scene really slowed down because it was i think the pacing of this is very different to the first one the first one is a lot slower paced like especially the scenes in between the songs are slower paced Mm, Um, this one kind of keeps things going pretty quickly and i actually appreciated them slowing everything down for a minute to let the emotional beats of the story sink in Mm. um so i quite liked that scene but yeah i i wish they had cast somebody who could sing but you know but he is such a good actor and he's also very such an empathetic lead Mm. but funnily enough even though shannon gets like one line i'm sorry this is right at the end of the movie um so i'm doing the wrong order but emily mortimer is a really good singer Mm. like she's got a good voice i wish that she'd been allowed to have i mean there's no room for another song but (laughs) she's got an excellent voice but anyway i feel like they could have yet done at least one song different or just Mm. cut out meryl streep's song um yeah cut out meryl this is my problem you you should have cut out the uncle bit in the first movie and you should cut out the meryl streep scene in this because it adds nothing and it's just extremely annoying but sorry back to going chronologically um ben wishaw's song i think is is the first main one up in the attic no the first main song is lin-manuel miranda's opening song under the lovely london sky songs in this thing Yeah, I know. It's great. It's so long. Um, There's like a five-minute song before we even get to the credits. Our experience of it is so different because I'm just like, every time there's a song, I was just like, my face was lit up. I was sitting there just 
delighting in it. So Yeah, I was like, we just had a song and now we've got another song, which happens on a couple of – but, yeah, that's right. There's that whole bit, which is long. I get – it shows you that Lin-Manuel Miranda is a lamplighter. It's fine. It, no, it establishes London as a character in the story. Sure. Well, that's what how I saw it because yeah. they go through London a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, all... it's long. Yeah. <sighs> yes. But it's. I liked it. It establishes London as a character. It establishes who he is. It establishes kind of the mood, mood of the movie. You go past the bird lady in the bank, mm-hmm. um, which is, and you're in actual London as well. It, is, it isn't on a soundstage like the older. Movie, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is not. I did like that. That was nice. So for me, it really established this kind of the time and the place they were living in as a character that defines a lot of their actions in the movie, and I really appreciated that. Also, he sings it really well. Lin-Manuel Miranda hasn't always been the strongest singer, Mm. great songwriter and rapper, but not always the strongest singer, and he does really well in that, especially the end of it really kind of has a lot of lift yeah, to it, and he, I really he liked a, that. He actually has a couple of good singing moments. I mean, Emily Blunt is clearly the strongest singer in the cast, but he has a couple of really good moments. Yeah, okay, that's right. That's the and first song. very nicely shot too, which I really liked. Mm. I think Rob Marshall did a really good job with the visuals of this movie. Mm. I think a lot of them will become classic visuals. His shots of Jack behind the lamps are really good, but also the way they pull out mm. and show you London is very pretty. Yeah, Rob Marshall's the right choice for this movie yeah. with his choreography background. He's just that's that's the right choice. And then they have, then you have the credits, which is over a bunch of paintings, mm. which give which away the reflect, whole plot of the movie. Yeah, but it also, it's also to reflect the uh, earlier movie where the matte painting of London is the background yeah. to your credits. Yeah, I got that. But also then I, it wasn't till the end of the first time I watched those credits that I was like, oh, the, um, that was the Big Ben. And mm. I was like, oh, they're going to Big Ben at the end of this movie. Yeah. But I hadn't really been paying attention to the paintings till then. And I right. was like, well, if I'd been paying attention to the credits, I'd probably have learned what the whole movie was going to be i should have been paying attention but i was like god that was a long song but anyway we shall move on so yeah i was not i mean there's a whole storm coming metaphor at the beginning Mm. of the movie where you're like oh god yeah like not subtle at all and i'm actually surprised they kept the uh the sea captain in i actually didn't mind the use of him in this movie because it was so much less yeah it was less but i'm surprised like i was like they're gonna cut that out for sure just what do I know? Anyway, everyone was kind of cute that that was a little nod there. Yeah, and he he doesn't have a, ooh, very long scenes no. in this one. He has a couple of short scenes, but also it's that whole thing where he like so much of this movie is foreshadowed and like it's tied together much more nicely than the original film, which is really just kind of a series of events. Musical numbers fit together, yeah. Yeah, so this one has more of a tie through the whole thing, but he foreshadows the ending where they're going to put Big Ben back five minutes by saying, oh, they're always early now. Mm, Yeah. So that was kind of cute and funny, I thought. Yeah, so then we get to the Banks house where chaos is already reigning and so that nobody even notices uh, that people are coming to try and repossess the house. Yes. And then I think we have the Ben Wishaw song up in the attic. Yeah. And the and attic scene I think is very cute because it has all these little nods to uh, the older film. Yeah. With all the toys and things from their nursery. And the kite. Yes, and the kite. Uh, while we're talking about that, mm-hmm. did you notice that the whole uh, most of the score of this movie was instrumentals from the original? I didn't. Oh, actually, well, I've written down musical stings in my notes, so perhaps I did, but I can't remember noticing that. Yeah, so – there's all these bits like the um, – No, I must have noticed that because you hear Chim Chim Cherie at one point. Yeah. It, yeah. It, a lot of the musical stings in the background Spoonful are the – uh, Yeah. Yeah. The, no, I do notice that, yes. I really liked that, that it's kind of reminding you of it. I mm. mean, part of the thing about this movie is that you don't – how do I say this? 
instead of being overly nostalgic, it's like, well, the past is part of your history mm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and that I felt like the music did that really well. They never actually sang any lines from the original movie. They never no. directly referenced it in that way. No. But instead they kind of put it into the fabric of the movie, mm. which was really neat, I thought, and really pretty. Mm. And I quite enjoyed that. But also the little girl's green coat was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. So, yeah, then Ben Wishaw sings in the attic and then um, Georgie gets his kite stuck on a nanny, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty delightful, I have to say. The first line that I wrote down was, I was flying a kite and it got caught on a nanny, <laughs> which was fantastic. And then she walks into the house and um, Jane and Michael's faces are great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the and we they, are still we, not a codfish. Yeah, the codfish thing comes back, which is great. Which is, yeah, that whole bit. For them to manage to pull that off, while not actually having the like having been the people in the original was mm. really well done. Yeah, it yeah. really made you feel like Jane and Michael were the Jane and Michael of the original, <laughs> even though we know that those kids are not these kids. And the boy died, didn't he? Yeah, he died very at young. like twenty-one. The uh, girl had a cameo, very brief cameo. She asks oh, really? Lin Manuel Miranda how to get to number nineteen, and uh, Lin Manuel Miranda oh. and Mary. She says how to get number nineteen, and they go two doors down, and that's I didn't her. Know that was her. That's so cute. Yeah, so. Everyone has a cameo. Um, I mean, sorry, everyone was offered a cameo. Julie Andrews didn't take hers, and I assume Angela Lansbury stepped into that cameo. Yeah, probably. Um, it seems to me. But quite a few of the original cast are still around, and they were offered cameos. But That's yeah, so cute. The guy who played that. Michael had a really sad um, – he died when he was only 21. Yeah, I, I remember that story because um, I, I think I read about that when I was really young because he's in both this and – no, wait, he isn't. He's not in both this and Bedknobs and Broomsticks, is he? Uh, I'd, I'd have to go and look that up. No, because he doesn't play – because the thing is he looks so much like the actor who played George Banks. Oh, uh, yeah, like he does. It's creepy how uh, – it, Yes, I re- remember thinking that when I was re-watching. Yeah, they, they really – and like not just looks like him but has a lot of very similar um, like – ticks and stuff mm. just it just so much looks like he's his dad yeah yeah my husband was talking about him last night he was like he looks like a little 45 year old man yeah he does he's he's great i really liked that kid mm. um he was in i'm sure he was in something else when he I was, was in little. a few other things but not bed knobs and Brooms no because the um george banks his name i should really know um is also in bed knobs and broomsticks with angela lansbury mm. who it was so exciting for me to see her in this movie though she's wonderful like i i but i, I genuinely do think that was the cameo that julie andrews turned down yeah probably. but she was wonderful it was yeah. lovely to see her and she's always so friendly and, and it was just cool yeah. um but yeah I, anyway i didn't know she was in the the girl who played jane was in that's so exciting mm-hmm. um i did notice that julie walters was, was playing ellen yes which yep. um was the maid from the first one yeah yeah and also is playing the exact same role that she plays in Paddington. Yep. Like it's the exact just same. Didn't even need to change costumes. No, it's the yeah. same role. She just, I was like, wow, this is what Julie Walters is doing now, huh? Mm. She's in this and she's in the Mamma Mia movies and she's a maid and in the Mamma Mia movies and that's it, which made me laugh. Yeah. But, you know, just another yeah. taking over from the original actress. I feel like she just, she wasn't quite the same. As the original? No. Like... I felt less like she was the original Ellen than I did that that Ben Wishaw and Emily Mortimer were real George and uh, sorry Jane and Michael. Mm. Like I don't know why, but it just she didn't have the same energy at all to the original no, Ellen. She had a similar energy to the original, the older maid whose yeah. name I can't remember. The cook, she's the, the cook. cook. Yeah, yeah. I, that was a similar energy. Obviously, in terms of the timeline working out, it makes more sense for her to be Ellen. But yeah, yeah. It also 
she's more like that other maid. That's what I, yeah, I, I just was like, she doesn't seem to be really trying to invoke that character. Mm. And the other, because she was so much more kind of cynical and snarky and that sort of thing than mm. the Ellen in this movie. I did notice that the, one of the bank guy's names was Hamilton Gooding as well. Mm, I heard that. <laughs> just because I was like, Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at that point, Mary comes in and the yeah. children have a bath. So we obviously get, re- as reference in the non-spoilery section, if I don't cut that out. The, <laughs> you shouldn't. It's a good, I mean. But the thing is, thing, everyone's but, yeah. seen it, right? The Her sliding backwards down the bath. I had thing. to show most people that I've shown um, it to. So. Yeah, it, it's pretty, anyway. Uh, I, it is in the trailer. Yes. But you, um, you don't see that it's a practical effect in the trailer. Yeah, that's but I, it was more the song that you were talking about is not in the trailer. But no, yeah. anyway, so so we have a bath and we have like this underwater song. Um, every, both times when I watched it, when she said "Off we go," I got tingles because <laughs> she just looks so thrilled, and even and knowing now that she was actually terrified, <laughs> I, just I can't tell. I, yeah, God, I just it's so scary, and it's not a stunt woman; it's her. Well, maybe it was more that she was just you know, it was that nervous energy coming through in mm. the performance or something because both times that just her saying off we go with that. Yeah, and I hadn't seen that. I had assumed at the point, at point it was digital and she does look scared. Mm. Like I felt that from her, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's this kind of energy to her that you just don't know what's going to happen mm. next and maybe that was affected that by the – It was the... working for her there because yeah. she was like, oh, f- I've got to go backwards down a slide. Yeah. But yeah, either way, that just both times made me go, "Oh yes, this mm. is good." <laughs> that song is fine. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't that into it. I was like, "Oh god, another song." <laughs> it wasn't my favorite one in the movie. Mm. Um, it definitely seems like an establishing song to establish her relationship with the kids. Yes, and also reminded me of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks because there's a whole underwater section in that movie. Yeah, it was. It was not my favorite. Mm. It's not even my favorite song with at like where they're in an animated world in this movie. Well, I mean, no, because that, we get to that in a minute. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we can move on from that one. Yeah, because so they get out of the bath and then they go to the park Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. meet – and then they meet Lin-Manuel, who's – I've forgotten his name now. Jack. Jack, thank you. Then they Yeah, then they go and meet – oh, hang on. No, they meet Jack in the park, but when they catch Mary on the kite, he is around – Oh, God, there still is a whole heap more movie before we get to the – Dalton Bowl. No, well, not a whole heap. There's a little bit. Mm. So they, they clean up. They're doing the, the plot, which is to try and find this certificate that yep. proves that um, – That's right. That, they're um, in the shares in the bank. Michael has his dad's shares in the bank so that they don't take the house. Mm. Um, so it's just a lot of, like, them trying to find it. Yeah, and, and then and, uh, Michael and Jane go and see Colin Firth. And, yeah. Yes, exactly. And Hermione appears. And Hermione – um, stage Hermione is in this movie, which was so cool. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, and it was exciting to Noma see her. Noma Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, and Mary gets them to clean up. She goes, you'd think Jane and Michael would have learned to clean up after themselves, and then cleans up with magic. And you're like, well, not all of us have magic to clean up with, Mary I know. Poppins. I was like, I was exactly the same. But uh, there's this bit where Georgie is grabbing at the letters, reminded me of Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and then Georgie, of course, picks out this drawing that Michael has done because he's an artist, which almost never gets referenced in the rest of the movie, picks up this drawing and, and you're like, folds oh, it the up plot and keeps point. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, don't forget your plot point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So everybody, I think pretty much. Everyone's like, oh, the share certificate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. At that moment, almost anybody who's ever seen a movie before goes, yeah. that must be the share certificate. And then he is upstairs fixing that up. Mm. and Jack is outside and lighting the lamp and that's, that's how right. he comes into it. Yep. Mary Poppins goes outside to talk to him and Jack 
was a student of Bert's or a correct a t- apprentice of Bert's, and that's how mm-hmm. he has the connection. So he met Mary when he was little. That's right. And obviously, Bert and Mary used to date. Um, yeah, which is sort of the sort of the vibe you get with Jack and Mary too. It's a very mm. odd sort of exes relationship that they seem to have. But mm. yeah, while they're outside, the kids think that they can sell their mother's bowl. Yes, to get money, and they break it. So Mary takes them into the bowl to fix it. it. Yes, right. Which is when we get Chris O'Dowd and Mark Addy and the whole Royal Dalton scene, which is my favorite stretch of this Uh, whole movie. I loved it. Yeah, it's probably the most memorable bit, I think. I I kind of – it felt long. Like we have a whole song bit getting there and then you're like, oh, there's a wolf that sounds like Colin Firth and then go inside and then we've got a whole other musical number and then we've got a car chase. It's long. I, I kind of feel like maybe you shouldn't watch musicals. <laughs> it's very long. It is, but it's, that's what you go to a musical for is seeing singing and dancing. Maybe it, maybe I'm not a musical fan. Yeah. Whereas I love them. And but so, I enjoy musicals on stage. I just, I don't know, I just find this particularly long. And I've, I've enjoyed movie musicals. I love Chicago. Okay. Maybe you want to, I don't know. I yeah. really enjoyed those songs. The Royal Dalton musical one is quite catchy. It's one of the ones that you remember. Yeah, I, I spent um, the whole song thinking, did Royal Dalton pay for this? They didn't. It's from one of the books. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's taken directly out of one of the later books, P.L. Yeah. Thomas books. So, yeah, the, that song and then the one when they're inside, when they do the cover is not the book, mm-hmm. my favourite number of the whole movie. I just – and that was when it really started getting – working – well for me is when Lynn manuel Miranda wrapped his little story. Mm. But even before that, like Emily Blunt changing into the sort of the um, – Yeah, and the changing her accent girl. and, yeah, that was re- – I mean, that was really good. Like that scene really showed off the talents of the two leads. Yes, um, and it's just it's just fun to watch. And it's also my first note in the movie. So clearly yeah. it made an impact. Yeah, and, it, uh, yeah, it looks great. The way they did the, worked the animation in, mm. um, you know, it's light years ahead of the 60s one and yet it they do that kind of 2D effect to be reminiscent oh, of oh, old Disney movies. The costumes. Yeah. The costumes are drawn on yeah. them so they look like their 2D animation. Well, the, so clever. I think the costumes are actually not – they're, they're – Physical, they're physical costumes, but, but the, drawn the yeah, on. they're drawn on the fabric. Yeah. Sorry, the like the ruffles and the buttons and all that is all drawn onto the fabric. Yeah. It's so clever. It's beautiful. Mm. The colors are beautiful. The whole thing is just so enjoyable mm. to me. Like it's just so. I, I mean, that sort of just the wonder of it got me through the first bit, and then the when they started seeing that cover is not the book. It's so great, and then mm. when he climbs up the stage and all that, oh, it just looks so good. Yeah. It sounds so good. All of his little like little dance moves that kind of break up the song mm. um, are really, really clever. Just that whole bit was my just my favourite part. I was, like, delighted. Yeah, I, um, think, I think here's my musical thing. I'm keen on things that have dancing yeah. with them. So, so if the song has dancing accompanying it, it's more exciting to me, which is why I like that one and, and later on as well. Yeah, which is fair enough. But, yeah, I, I just – I mean, obviously the original doesn't all have dancing to it, so. No, it doesn't. It has some really excellent dancing, though, from – Van Dyke and his friends, but yeah, the um, it, it doesn't all. I, I, I'm just trying to work it out because I don't normally hate musicals. I just I find the Mary Poppins one unbearably long. Maybe it's the same thing that I have with um, 
um, historical dramas where my brain just tells me that I have to watch it for class or something, and so I get bored even if it's not a boring movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I genuinely <laughs> Maybe you think just these got are bored boring Mary movies, Poppins. but yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I but I also remember it. being, I, I also remembered it being boring as a kid. Like when we were going to rewatch it, I said, "Oh, Jelly, it's really long. There's an intermission." I realized I was getting it mixed up with the Sound of Music, yeah. which does have an intermission and is three hours long. It's actually it's two hours twenty minutes and mm. doesn't have an intermission, but. It was still long. I still had hadn't misremembered that. Yeah, I don't. I've watched Mary Poppins many times as an adult, and never mm. really felt that. And I've watched it with kids, and they never seem to really get bored. They sort of start tend to start to when the focus shifts to George at mm. the end, which is a bit that I quite like. I know. I mean, I enjoy the boring long scene where he walks to the bank and thinks about life. It's, it's just oh, so pretty. It's so beautifully shot. <laughs> so, and, and the they music. do echo it in this film too yeah. um, with the nice shot of Jack. And the music and stuff. It's so pretty. Yeah, it is nice. But so, I can understand getting bored in it too. But I think that's when kids tended to – so I, I think it still manages to hold the attention of a lot of children because hmm. um, we had it for – at you know, at holiday programs. So we watched yeah, it quite yeah, a few yeah. times. and Yeah, for, well, for me this is one of those Nana's House movies. Yeah, obviously I can't say anything to convince you, but I just was just delighted. I, did, I didn't particularly enjoy the, the car chase bit after that, but it was kind of a necessity. Yeah, because you need to get to the next bit. And also they need to fall off the edge of the bowl because they've mentioned it. Yes, and they also need to – show that Colin Firth is a wolf. <laughs> yes, yes. Like they for, have for to... those of us who didn't hear the voice and go, oh, it's Colin Firth. And yeah. then so they so he has to hold the watch up. Or for kids. Yes, for kids. Um yeah. it's it's making that analogy for the children mm. who yeah, are watching yeah. it. And the other two are the the other his assistants so mm. the, his assistants and yeah. the real life stuff yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, they'd stamped different voices. Then that sort of that hands was... chewing scenery is a line from the song. Mm. That's why you wrote it down. Ah. Uh... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda sings about Ham's chewing scenery in the Royal Dalton Music Hall song. Yeah, no, but I've, but I've written it off. I've also written the line, it's a wonder there's any scenery left, right next to where I wrote down Toplitsky's a Jewish name. So, oh, okay. So I'm pretty sure it does refer to the Mer- Meryl Streep scene. Okay, that, because he says that and I wrote it. Yeah. He also says, looks like we're in China, so to speak. I was so impressed with the movie's commitment to a gag. <laughs> They were really committed to a lot of jokes, which was great. And that was one that, that I was really a pretty liked. good joke. It's a very good joke. Yeah. I wrote quite a few lines. So. Yeah. Anyway, so, but that, that, and falling off the bowl, like, leads them into waking up in the dark. And, and that is a really good scene. Yeah. Cause then you've got the, um, the song. The yeah. Where the lost, lost things, things go. go song, which is very lovely. And, and also, of course, reminiscent of the Feed the Birds mm. song. Um, which is which is so also gorgeous. probably it's it's probably my favorite from the original as well. Yeah. I just it's so beautiful and evocative and makes me sad. Or oh, both of them make me sad every time. Yeah, I think my favorite from the first movie is still Sister Suffragettes, which yeah. I like. But other than that, it's Step in Time because Step in Time is like the, just watching them dance for ten mm. minutes is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh um, God. Well, yeah. That's why I really love that too. And um, and we'll get to the Lamplighter one later. But um, yeah, it, it was really great and. I just, I really liked the, just going off the topic a little bit, but the 1930s setting I think was very well done mm. because you have Jane growing up to be a labour organiser and you also see on the ride through London in the beginning like the poverty mm. and people on the bread line. And, I mean, these are kids, like eight and ten-year-old kids who uh, understand the cost of groceries and that they can't afford them. Yeah. Um, it's that, you, the use of that era was really good because it was, and it was, 
able to give, I think, a lot of interesting parallels that might go over the heads of some smaller kids watching, but probably won't be missed by the sort of teen, tween aged kids watching it, that they lived in very hard times and we live in hard times. Mm, Yeah, exactly. I think that that's something that a lot of kids will understand on a deeper level. Yeah, so then they go off. They decide to go into town to get the bowl fixed. I know, but before that, there's the bike. I know. I've written down 1930s health and safety. But it's so cool. I know. (laughs) It looks so good. And then um, the little one, Georgie, asks her how much she weighs and and her face. It's the best. Like, Emily Blunt is so good in this movie. Mm. And it's mostly in moments like that. Yeah. You know, know, she does the singing and dancing well. She does the acting well. But it's those Mm. reactions and those kind of – the preciousness of mary poppins and the way she holds herself yeah and those feet and the, always the turned point out, out and everything yeah. like she's just i like that she has her own take on mary mm. while still feeling very much like mary kind of like a bond movie or something yeah like, yeah it feels like she is playing the same character but with her own version of it which yeah. is a really hard balance to strike and she does a great job yeah and and she has a different voice as well like her Much lower. singing voice is in a lower register which is fine though because it's a, it lets her make it her own mm. because julie andrews wouldn't have carried off the whole royal dalton music hall thing that she does no she, i don't like, think she, she would have, not have carried that off and she probably wouldn't have been able to do a cover is not a book in the yeah. same way like it was a different set of strengths and i think that was good it is it's like yeah it's like someone new stepping into james bond yeah she has a few moments like that in the first one you know when they're up on the on the um rooftops and stuff Mm. but the thing about julie andrews is that even when she's covered in soot and doing the dances that the boys are doing she still looks like julia like she still is so posh Mm. but emily blunt just kind of switches it into the other mode and we talked about this before actually before either of us saw this about how mary would probably if if she's not working class she's hanging out with the working classes because she's a nanny but as a nanny a part of her job is to raise very posh children so she's posh herself well she's but then, a time lord well she's a time lord but like <laughs> an ordinary nanny in that era is a working class woman mm. but they most of them have to present as though they're not working class because mm. they're raising children and that sort of interesting duality between being working class and being among like spending your whole days among very wealthy yeah um, it's that very she just has these rules that apply to the world as she sees it not just herself Mm. but everything has to kind of fit into her worldview yes and she kind of snaps the kids up into that worldview as well Mm. um and you can see all of that in emily blunt yeah she seems like she could do that she seems like she has that power you know um i loved her performance and i liked i mean her voice is quite different and it's a surprisingly low register um, she's still an excellent singer. Oh yeah, just very different. Yeah, it, it especially comes up when she's singing in duets, mm. um, because you're used to in duets having the man have a lower register and the woman having a mm. higher register. But she and Lin Manuel Miranda are actually kind of matched. Yes. Um, so she sings really low for a woman. Mm. So she's in in much more of kind of a what you'd usually hear a man singing, but mm. I really enjoyed it. Oh. I think she's a great singer. I just noticed it, especially mm. in the first song. It's yes, very low. Yes, yes, she, and but she's just wonderful. Yeah, and then then we get Meryl, Meryl Streep, which oh, yeah, th- this it could have been cut out. God, and Meryl Streep, I don't know. There's one thing I think which I just alluded to earlier that's interesting about this, which we talk, I just talked about how Mary Poppins is probably working class, but if if um, Topsy is her cousin, she's also probably Jewish because it, she's called like oh. Topsy Toplitsky, and she has this like Eastern European accent, and I, it would not surprise me one little bit. If someone with an accent in 1930s London 
with that name like that is probably Jewish refugee. Oh, yeah, I think that, that she is either probably Jewish, oh, yeah, the Eastern European, um, but also if they're cousins, it could be the other side of the family. Oh, that... Yeah, no, it may not, not necessarily, but I just think, I think that was not an accident. No. As much as I found the scene unnecessary, Meryl Streep scenery chewing, um, and it just was a bit much, which I, I find I, it's, it's the equivalent in the in the first movie. There. Well, it wasn't until this one that I was watching it and I was going, are these mental health metaphors? Yeah. Like I feel like the original has a, has, has a is a mental health metaphor as well for people who maybe have um, especially bipolar or something yeah. where he's really down and then he's really up. Yeah. And, and Mary's can't like – sort of balance between the right, two. And yep. Mary's trying to keep that balance. And in this one, it seems like a mental health metaphor as well where she just has like days where she can't function because everything turns upside down. Mm. She can't manage herself. Yeah, I just kind of thought it wasn't till I watched that, and I was like, maybe they're both mental health metaphors. I think you might be right, which made me hate it less. Yeah, I think also it's fun for kids. Like it's very cool the setup. Yeah, it, with it's everything still on the fun. Ceiling. It is still fun. It just in a very long movie, it's some. It's just a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't love it. Um, no, <laughs> but I, I can. See, I can see why they wanted to do it. But yeah, I, I think that. Well, see, I'm trying to pass it all through messages that it's sending to children. And the message of that song for children is great. Mm. It really is. Yeah, all um, you need to do is change your perspective. A, that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Right there. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Parenthood. And with Keanu Reeves? Why am I thinking of that? Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, I don't, I, I'm Keanu not Reeves sh- might be in it, actually. It's got Steve Martin as, as the dad. Um, I think Keanu Reeves might be in it as like a boyfriend or something. And... Anyway, he is in it. I'm yeah. not wrong, but it, it in um and Martha Plimpton. Uh, if I have not since the 90s, it's um I really liked it. Mm. But there's a line in it that strikes me every time I watch some of the movies that have similar messages to Mary Poppins Returns, mm. which is something like Steve Martin is always feels like he's in over his head yes. with his family, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just chaotic and he can't control anything. And then his wife in that movie says it's like being on a roller coaster. And you either sit back and enjoy the ride or you try and control it the whole time and you're miserable. Mm. That's paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact line, but it always sticks in my head. And that feels like this kind of message in this movie as well. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're constantly trying to hold on to everything and control it, then you're always going to be miserable because you can't control everything. Mm. But if you enjoy the ride, then it's you're going to have a lot more fun in life. Mm. Which, yeah, there's some visual metaphor at that at that point in in parenthood as well. But I just I saw it quite young and it really stuck in my head. That is the thing. Yeah, um, it really. That's very. Yeah, yeah. Like it really changed my worldview when I saw that. And so I was thinking that when I was watching this because there's kids mm. watching this. Mm. And so I was like, oh, it probably will genuinely change their worldview. Yeah. So I liked that. I think in movies like this, you don't want subtle messages. You no, want the you message can't. to be clear for the children who are watching. Yeah. And I enjoy most of the messages that this movie yeah. is sending, which is why I think that thing at the end frustrates me so much. Mm. Yeah, because there are they're very like good messages about being kind and about behaving, like why and how you might behave in a certain way. Mm. And bankers are evil. Like they're yeah. good messages, right? Yeah. People need to know. <laughs> yeah, that especially in Australia at the moment seemed very apt. Yeah, the whole well, banker yeah, thing. Absolutely. So yeah. Meryl Streep, not the best, but then they go to the bank. We see Hermione again. Yeah. She's got lollies now. <laughs> I know. I love that. Um, yeah. And then they they uncover Colin Firth's evil plot. And, <laughs> of course, Ben Whishaw doesn't believe them and they run out of the of the house, uh, of the bank. 
and get lost because they're so caught up in worrying, mm. which is definitely a message. But that then there's the bit where the kids run out of his office and race downstairs to talk to their dad. Mm. And then he walks calmly down the stairs behind them. And I was like, what? How the hell did he catch up with them that quickly? <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then we get the um, the Step in Time song, yes. which is so, to me, like, it's so much, it reminded me so much of American in Paris and Singing in the Rain. Triple like, the Light Fantastic is possibly my favourite song in the whole movie. I loved it. I loved it too. But for, I just thought that there's so much clever stuff going on in the um, A Cover Is Not The Book Mm-mm. that isn't in this Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for dancing yeah this one's more like a showy kind of number Uh, and that's that's great that's why i love step in time as well because the dancing is just Uh, incredible and so is this one and it's a big rob marshall number with like all kinds of moving parts and they bring in bmx riders and parkourists the one thing i really wasn't expecting when i went to see mary poppins returns was bmx stunts that was the one thing that (laughs) when it came up i was like what? Well, I, I thought it was I made sense because the lamplighters ride around on bikes. They don't ride around on BMXs. No, I know they, they don't. No, but they ride around on bikes and they wanted to use that as part of the dance. Like, I know, the, like they want to use it. the ladders. I, I thought that was great. It's not that I didn't like it. It was just that it was so such a jolt for me. Yeah. Was, it was just not. No, no, it wasn't. It's I was so like, 90s. Oh, bikes. Too. Yeah, well. Like, but yeah. fun. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. Like the choreography for that is spot on. And all the using all the lamp, which of yeah. course is the singing in the rain thing that they use all the light yeah. lamps. And the lamps and the, yeah. But it also references back to the other film where they've used the chimney sweep yeah. things. And yeah, um, they, it's all about, you know, I'd like, I never knew lamplighters were called Learys. That's so funny. It is. And the, the, uh, Cockney rhyming slang oh, yeah. bits. Yeah. Which were quite cute. But yeah. And, you know, teaching about the working class people and culture of working class people and things like that. All yep. very cute. It's all, it's great. Yeah. It looks beautiful. Also really looks like it's on a set, but it yeah. looks beautiful. So yeah, I'm not complaining about it. No, just- but I mean, looks like it's on a set is fine. I mean, that's the part of the spirit of these yeah. films anyway. Like Cherry Tree Lane's clearly a set too. Yeah. It's fine. It's how they're, how they are. Yeah. But when they go down, I thought about that when they went down on the pole. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is so they can have like an enclosed space to do the number. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So then that that number, which is, of course, fantastic. And then they all bring they all bring them home, right? But yeah. then when they open, when Ben Wishaw opens the door, they've all gone. Um, yeah. I think that's what yeah, happens. Yeah, I think that's what happens. And they've been packing up the house. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't pack up the house till after. Oh, but, um, that's right. No, because in the first one, they all go through the house and cause a bunch yeah, of chaos yeah. for no, George, they don't, which they is don't hilarious. Yes. So exactly. it's a little sad. A little bit sad that they didn't do that to Ben Wishaw because it would have been. Although he's, but the, the house is in a different, has a different meaning in this one, though. So true. And he's not being, um, he's not so much being like ignorant of the kids. Yeah. And he's stuff not being, as he is mourning. Yeah, so that's right. It might and, feel and, a bit mean. Yeah. And George Banks kind of deserves to have his house shook up a bit for him yes it, he does that was the bit where i wrote about the score both ben wishaw exclamation mark exclamation mark and the score being songs from the first movie mm-hmm. because when that when they do that scene the life i lead is what's playing in the background yeah and it's to make that parallel but that between what michael is currently becoming and george yeah um which is beautiful 
It's just be- and it's such a they do a really sad version of it. Very good, mm. lovely. Yeah. So then they pack up the house, and then they figure out that the paper is the. He holds the the kite up to the mm. lamp, doesn't he? Yeah. To look at the picture, which why would you do that? You'd just be seeing through it. Yeah. <laughs> which is the point. <laughs> I know it's the point, but like it would be better to hold it like you know yeah. flat under the light so that you could see the picture better than he holds yeah. it up in front of the light. Yeah. Um, so it can shine through, and he can see the certificate of shares thing, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, and then, what a surprise. Yeah. And then so they, um, Mary and the kids and uh, Jack and the Learys all go off to do the Big Ben plot point. Yeah. Um, well, um, um, while Jane and Michael go to the bank. Yeah. Which was all fine up until the point where Mary deus ex umbrellas her way in. Mm. Literal, it's a really literal mm. deus ex umbrella. Yeah, it's so she, like, if you could have done this the whole time. It's so frustrating. Yeah. That was the thing that for me was sort of really out of character for her as well. Like either let them solve their own problems mm. or don't. Yeah. But don't magically because all the way through she like is straight up dumbledoring them you know going i know what's going on and i'm going to let it happen yeah so that is like they were nearly there just tell him how to do it so, don't do it for him yeah exactly oh so frustrating yeah, it's such a victory like it would have been such more of a victory if he'd done it yeah but anyway and then the other two you know get to the bank in time so to speak and then jane let's go fly a kite mm, yeah yeah, again, that, the whole ending was just like that whole bit of the ending to me just was frustrating. Mm. Um, I would have preferred it if it had been played much straighter. Yeah. And I know they had to have Dick Van Dyke show up as yes. what's his name, Junior. Yeah. And I loved seeing him. Don't get me wrong. The guy is 93 years old. And, and they still had to put the- him in age makeup. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing is that like. Again, climbed up and jumped up on the desk. My God. And danced. Yeah, he looks younger at ninety three than he does in the old age makeup in the first one, where they had yep. him all like hobbled over and everything because he looks amazing. Yeah, and the choreography that he does is just still fantastic. Yeah, he definitely can't get his legs up the way he used no, to, but, but he still dances and sings. And yeah, you know, is just just his presence is so delightful. Like yeah. he's just so twinkly and lovely. Yeah, he really, really is. Yeah, so it's just you know, even though what he's saying is stupid. Yeah. It's nice to see him. Exactly. And in like any, you know, room that, uh, you know, that, that he's just, he's absolutely the right spirit for it, that twinkliness, yeah. which is why, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda is such a good new generation exactly. because he's so twinkly and lovely and sweet. Exactly. He's just a ball of sunshine. He's a yeah. lovely, lovely man. And so is Dick Van Dyke, who was genuinely saved by porpoises once, which is mm. one of my favorite stories ever. He was, was dolphins. Dolphins? But- I, one of those stories, yeah. yeah. He was, he was on a swimming, lilo and out yeah. to sea and they saved him. Great story. We'll, yes, um, we'll find that for the show notes. Yeah. But the thing is, telling kids to save money isn't the worst thing ever. Yeah. Right? But the fact that it was the opposite of the message from the first one. Well, yeah, because we don't actually see the account get opened. And so there is some implication that uh, George takes the tuppence and actually gives it to the bird lady. Yeah. So to have that change to be, no, he definitely put it in the bank. He didn't give it to the bird lady at all. And so now you're rich. Woo! And that scene is like scary for little Michael and yeah. all that stuff. So for that to be the message is weird. It's mm. a weird choice, you know? Yeah. To undermine everything about that first film. They could have just proven they had the shares. It's yeah. completely unnecessary. Or he could have come in 
and gone, yes, I signed that and I remember that and so I will accept that as the, yeah. the certificate. It would not have been hard to prove uh, as the share certificate. Is yeah. That. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, yeah, it's silly. Anyway. Yep. Then we have another nice scene after it, so In whatever. The park. Yes. Also too long but very sweet and I get to hear Emily Mortimer sing and she is a great singer. With beautiful colours. Oh, my God, the costumes, the colours of the costumes. She's in this sort of bright yellow and green outfit and um, Michael is also very bright, wearing really bright clothes. Mm. The kids were always kind of brightly dressed but now everybody is and the sunshine is turned up. Yeah, everything is dialed up to 11 to make it look really, you know, uh, idyllic. Um, yeah. But it's so sweet and yeah. he's just so excited and everything. And then they're like, oh, the parent, the adults will forget by tomorrow. And Jack goes, I won't forget, promise. How do we feel about the uh, romance storyline between Jack and Jane? Sure, it's fine, whatever. It's so odd. <laughs> this, it I mean, just seems so odd in this movie to have a romance storyline. Uh, yes and no. Like they needed to kind of make it clear that they're brother and sister. Otherwise it, it almost – becomes it looks parental because there's two adults one man one woman and then two three kids but so you kind of do have to have her off doing her own thing and having her own story but it i mean it it also like i think all the class implications are kind of interesting there because he's obviously interested in her labor union stuff Hmm. and um they're they're obviously from very different classes they're from she's from like a wealthy uh, well from a middle class family who can afford property in london whereas he's a lamplighter so that, on that sense, it's kind of interesting, but it, it was also like you could have easily cut that and nobody would have cared. Yeah. I was just thinking about their friendship with Bert as well. And mm. Anyway, um, but like, so they obviously don't have that kind of classism that, no. that George had? No, they don't because they've been, because Mary Poppins is influenced. Like and Bert's. And yeah, and exactly, I mean, well, I know Mary introduced them to Bert, but I yeah, think and then she also the told them about the Tuppence woman. Yeah. So because of that, they are a lot less worried about that. But also because they live in the times that they live in, there's very little difference between being middle class and being working class because everyone's doing it tough, right? Yeah. And but it seems to me also that Jane herself is not middle class. Mm. Like they still have the house, yeah. But it seemed, but that's Michael like wasn't last, doing. That's the last bit that's left. Yeah, like that's the last bit of their middle class. It's you know, following out and, of the middle classes Ellen. kind of thing. That's the last sort of yeah, having a having who a cook they're, who they're primarily keeping around because yeah, it's so not like they can pay her a salary. Yeah, well, it seems like he is paying her a salary, and that's part of what's causing mm. a lot of their problems because they can't feel like they can't get rid of her, fire yeah. her. No, because um, there's that whole bit where he's like, "Oh, I can't afford to take on a nanny as well." Yeah, yeah, so yeah, no, and he would be paying her like that. They would, they're not like that. But there's like the, they've got the last vestiges of having like an upper middle class life. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Um, I, I, I just had this thought of like, wouldn't it have been cool if we'd gone to the uh, labor union rally I, instead of the instead of topsy turvy? It's like and how like, we never get to go to the suffragists meeting in the in the um, first film. Yeah, I'm like I just want to see these women. Getting yeah, arrested. The, the labor thing that also would have fleshed out their romance to be mm. to feel more real. Yes, because um, I thought that they were actually quite cute in terms of the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Emily oh, Mortimer, yeah, yeah. Was, Mortimer was delightful in this. I know movie. she's, she's wonderful. so cute, like so sweet and like yeah, she's you know, wonderful, um, smart mm. and bold. Yeah, so cute. I loved her. Um, but yeah, so they fly to, float off into the sky and then they go home and etc. Um, I also noted. Um, 
Colin Firth picks out a picks out a pink balloon for himself, mm-hmm. and Lin Manuel Miranda wears a pink suit when he's in the Royal Dalton music. Bowl. Yes. And I was like, that's so cool that they're really kind of breaking down gender stereotypes just in the costuming. I on, was like, going to say that because I think one of the boys picks out a purple balloon yeah. as well. I, I'm like, oh, good. The boys are going for the traditionally feminine colors. This yeah. is a good thing. I know. I really liked that. I thought it was really mm. cool. Yeah. They, they make no big deal out of it at all. It just is something that happens. Yeah, exactly. I just I noted that, that the second time I watched it, that there was a lot of pink mm. um, in the movie. And it was associated with boys. Mm. I also made a note. My last note is that it's a shame it came out the same year as A Star Is Born and has no chance at winning an Oscar for any of the songs. Yeah, because Shallow will definitely win. I know, and is great and deserves it. But the songs in this were really good. Yeah, and the ones um, I, I both Trip the Light, Fantastic, and Where the Lost Things Are have been nominated. I think at Golden Globes. Okay, they're not the best songs, but sure. Well, I I can see why Where the Lost Things Are is being yeah. nominated. They're good songs. And I, was I just do being think salty. it's a good song. Whereas Trip the Light, Fantastic lives or dies on its on its dance elements, which is not the same. Yeah, I, I do think that as a song, the cover a cover is not the book. It's so clever. Is um and a better song than Trip the Light Fantastic. How good of an Oscars musical performance would it make? Oh, it would be amazing. Yeah. But it also yeah, the, it is very lyrically intricate. Mm, a co- the mm. cover is not the book. It's a lot cleverer. Whereas Trip the Light Fantastic is kind of as a song, just not as it's Mm. cool and i enjoyed it but it's not as clever i think as a whole package a cover the cover is not the book is the best no you know song and dance combination that's in the movie yeah yeah um yes it's only those two songs that are up for in the oscars like long list yeah triple light fantastic and where the lost things go so it's a bit sad really but, I love the cover, but i loved it yeah and i know and and shallow's gonna win which is fine because that's something where you know star is born did shine yeah i i I think it deserves it. It just mm. is a shame that it didn't come out in a year where it had a chance with mm. the songs, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So that just is a note. My last yeah, note yeah. is that I'm a bit sad that it won't. And it yeah. seems to be losing a lot of that kind of awards steam. Yeah, because um, there was a bit of momentum behind um, Emily Blunt. Mm. But, yeah, it seems like the awards going to be fought out between Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close. And I would say Glenn Close is going to take it because she's the more veteran. Yeah. Is it up for maybe costumes? Because it'd be nice to see a movie like this that has much more imagination in its costumes than just let's stick people in period clothes. Oh, and make them out of denim. Um, yes. <laughs> That's the next movie. <laughs> yeah, Mary Queen of Poppins. We're coming coming to that. I don't know, actually, because it, that costuming, because it was um, uh, not Colleen Atwood, but the other famous costume. Yeah, yeah, somebody famous. I know designer that. who did it, and it is wonderful. It mm. is so clever. The colours and the, just the costuming is delightful. Um, yeah. yeah. The very last thing I will say, because I didn't note it, note it earlier, the three kids are okay. Yeah, yeah. None of them are particularly great. The littlest one is probably the best one, which is kind of ironic because yeah. he's probably – He's the most sort of charismatic, I think. He is the most charismatic. I did notice a lot of the time that when he's talking, the camera sort of moves away from him. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if maybe he had trouble with some of his lines. But – yeah, definitely got a lot of charisma and he's cute, but I feel, feel like the kids were not as strong as Jane and Michael. No. Um, in the first one. They're much better performances from those little actors. Mm. Um, Sandy Powell is the costume designer. Yeah. yeah. Also a really well known costume designer. Yeah. Yeah, no, they weren't. And little oh God, little Michael is so in in the sixty four version is so good. What is the other movie that he's in? I have to find out. Oh, uh, there are a couple of Disney movies. I hadn't heard of them, but you probably will have. <laughs> 
And I want to find out is, who played George Banks as well. Yeah, nothing as famous as, as Two Chitty Bang Bang. So George Banks was play, played by David Tomlinson. Tomlinson. Him. Um, but the little kid, get, yeah. Matthew Garber, uh, he was in something called two other films he was in as a child. Uh, one called The Gnomobile and – no, that's it. Oh, oh, and one called The Three Lives of Thomasina. I could have sworn I'd seen him in something else, but no, I hadn't seen either of those. He just – yeah, those ears – yeah. Are the exact same ears that David Tomlinson has. Mm, like I know. the exact same ears. And the way they did it, they styled him as well with the little haircut and everything. <laughs> so, so cute. cute. But, yeah. Um, David Tomlinson, I think, is just fantastic. Oh, he's wonderful. Uh, just a wonderful, mm. wonderful actor and gets a lot more to do as George than they gave yeah. Ben Whishaw as Michael, which is a bit mm. of a shame. And, and Glynis Johns as uh, Mrs. Banks. She's <sighs> so good. And then obviously that Sister Suffragette song is just. They wrote a, the song into the movie for her yeah, because she was like, so I want a good. song, yeah. basically. I love that song too. Mm. I know that everybody always forgets it, but I love it. And I I just like, I find myself singing it a lot. Um, She's still but, around too, by the way. I don't know if yeah, she had I a cameo. I don't think she had a cameo though. But yeah, no, she just like, she's so good. She's yeah. so, um, and that song is, I think because we do a lot of feminist stuff and things, yeah. it just every so often I get the song, especially the line, the, um, our daughter's daughters will adore us. That's the, and they'll sing in grateful chorus. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that song. <laughs> I love that song. Anyway, we should uh, wrap up oh, and yeah. rate the movie. Give ratings. Um, yes. So I have been writing down my ratings this year when I see movies. <gasps> Good job. So I'm giving this one three and a half stars. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I'm giving it four stars, mm-hmm. um, which is a little down. I mean, I kind of wanted to give it four and a half for how much I loved it, but I don't, think it really deserves it for some mm. of the problems that I had with it. So I'm going to say four, but I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was just really enjoyable for me. Yeah. And yes, I think I'll be going back to see it again. That's exciting. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.